This is episode 152 of Shades Midweek, a podcast where we talk about theology, culture, and all things shades. Just want to welcome you and thank you for listening. My name is John Mark Durow. I'm one of the hosts of Shades Midweek. We are recording this podcast inside of Three Stream Studios. It's a Wednesday. The NCAA tournament starts tomorrow, and I am here with avid basketball fan Jonathan Haves, Jonathan, who do you have going all the way this year? Oh, man. Um, so it's funny you say avid basketball fan. <laughs> I was being a little facetious. I know you were. Well, here's the thing. So basketball was my sport like growing up. That's the sport that I played. I Man, somewhere along the way, I saw uh, The Pistol in that movie uh, about Pete. Pete Maravich. Yeah, and like I fell in love with the sport, and I played all through middle school and high school. It was by far the sport I played the most. Um and really enjoyed it, loved it, um, and watched uh, college basketball specifically uh, as I got into middle school and high school and loved it. Was Man, I would watch every game that I could for March Madness. All that. It, it's just another one of those things that kind of became a casualty of time along the way as I did seminary, grad school, got into pastoring, all that. And so, so I watch it now kind of the same way I watch college football. It's like I'll, I, I watch it socially. Right. So I'll watch games every March. I, I still enjoy it and all of that. Yep. Who do I have picked? Uh, I, I got Bama, dude. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, you, can you live in this state and and not? I mean, I guess if you're that diehard Auburn and hate Bama that <laughs> much that you just can't bring yourself to write it in. But, I mean, they have a shot, you know? They're the overall number one seed, so, so you can't argue with that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I got Bama. I, man, I'm terrible at the whole bracket picking thing, because um, I always try and like you know get, give some upsets here and there. Yeah, because there's gonna be upsets. There will be upsets. But I never do it with the big risky ones, which is where it always inevitably happens. So my bracket always gets busted like yeah. super fast. Yeah. You know, because I'll keep the number one and number two seeds for forever going, and and one of them's gonna get just blown out of the water first round it, it happens it's inevitable it'll be fun we've got a little bracket of some shades folks and yeah, uh it'll be fun to see who wins that and it'll just be hey I, I march madness especially the first weekend it's one of the best those first two days are like the best two days in sports all year so very you, excited you want to you want to make things get real here on shades midweek real yeah. quick parents warning Skip over the next 60 seconds if you've got children <laughs> in the car. So uh, because of March Madness, March is peak month for vasectomies. Did you know that? Uh, yeah, I think I've heard that We're before. getting real on Shades Midweek. Dude, schedule that surgery around March Madness. So they got games to watch all day. I didn't yep. know this. I didn't know this. Yeah, is, doesn't Buffalo Wild Oh, yeah, they do the jewel special... stool. The jewel stool. It's it's a it's a stool with a cooled seat. Name name another church podcast where you're going to hear about the jewel stool for March Madness. All right. Well, I feel like we need to move on. We're about to get canceled. So Oh, it's already happened. It's already happened. We aren't even big enough to get canceled. <laughs> All right, well, uh, I think I have an album for you. It was definitely a last-minute decision, so here we go. AM's album of the week. It's a live album. Uh, well, I thank you. 
I knew that because I our, mean, it just, sounds like our live they're applause. They're cheering for me. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. Oh, dude. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson. Whoa, wait. What do you want to do? I heard this album. This is VH1 Storytellers with Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson. A live album that was released January 1, 1998. When all I guess that was 25 years ago this year. How do I not know about this? I was working a couple of weeks ago and remembered that this was an album. And I put it on, listened to the whole thing. It's incredible. Because it's storytellers, they obviously tell stories in between each song. And Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson. And it's like they they didn't plan the set list at all. So they'll be like... What do you want to do next, or what are you thinking about doing? And they'll just and Willie Nelson will be like, "Oh, uh, you know, how about this this song that I wrote?" And he'll tell the story, and then they play it. It's it's incredible. And of course, they do like you know, Folsom Prison Blues, and they do On the Road Again. But dude, I it's a great album. I didn't know they like did like had the the sound uh, tracks available from storytellers. So, man, when I was in yeah, big deal when I was in late middle school, early high school. It, it, it was like a dividing line. Were you an MTV person or were you a VH1 person? <laughs> and I was massively a VH1 person. And I loved storytellers. I loved pop-up video. Yeah. Uh, and, and, of course, I loved behind the music. I didn't right. care who's behind yeah. the music it behind was. Behind the I would music and storytellers were two great shows. Two great shows. Does VH1 even still exist? I have no idea. It does. They kind of do what... MTV does. They play movies and reality shows, and rarely do they play music videos Yeah, Storytellers, I miss it. They actually brought back Storytellers several years ago, uh, like within the last 10 years. And they did like newer bands. So it was like Death Cab for Cutie, Kings of Leon. I can't remember who else was on it. Maybe Wilco or something like that. I can't remember who else was on it. But it was cool. But, you know, that those original, like, VH1. Because you had Storytellers. Another big one was MTV Unplugged. Right. And that though right. all of those concerts from the 90s, Nirvana, Alice in Chains, like, they're they're all incredible. Dude. Incredible uh, albums. When you think about it, VH1's uh, kind of three big heavy hitter programs uh, were really all the same thing. Yeah. So, so in other words, storytellers, it's the stories behind the songs. Pop-up video was like the stories behind the videos. Behind the music. And behind the music <laughs> is the story behind the band. Like, it's all the same thing. Yeah, it's true. Oh, but I love it, man. Yeah, That's check great. it out. That, this was Ghost Riders in the Sky, Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson performing together. Just the two of them, no band. I so. don't know of anywhere you get this kind of thing anymore other than Tiny Desk. Yeah. NPR's Tiny Desk. Yeah. And Tiny Desk, they'll do, obviously, it's about three songs normally yeah. per performance, um, which is really cool. But yeah, there's not a ton of like music shows. Yeah. That's like know? stripped down and you get a lot more personal, yeah. a lot of stories. Yeah. So. Dude, that's fantastic. We're missing that in our culture. Maybe they'll bring it back. Bring it, you know. Back. Who knows? All right. Well, that was my album of the week. Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, VH1 Storytellers. Happenings in the ham. All right. Before I actually tell you what's happening in the ham, I want to make one more comment. <laughs> On what About storytellers? Well, just uh, 
I've actually gone back and watched some of those concert footage things. And do you know, especially those intimate sessions, um, do you know what's the strangest thing and the most striking thing? What's that? No cell phones in anybody's hand. Mm. Everybody's watching what's happening Mm -hmm. and listening. It really is. It'll kind of weird you out when you watch it. Yeah, well, if you go to any comedy show, they will take your phone away. So that's the closest. Good for them. That's the closest thing we have. Oh, okay. Anyway, so what's happening in the hand? Well, we already talked about some of it. March Madness, people. It's not just happening. It's happening in the ham. We've got some round one games kicking off tomorrow because uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, March the 15th, the Ides of March. Watch out, John Mark. I might assassinate you here in a moment. Um, that's a little Caesar joke, Roman history joke for everybody. Um, but yeah. Those first round games happening tomorrow, and then we've got some games happening on Saturday. Which, which is, has this ever happened before? Has it, any March Madness been played here? Yes, before it has. Yes. Okay, it's just I think it's just been a while, and since Legacy Arena uh, remodeled, I, it hasn't been here since they redid yeah. everything there. Well, and Bama being the number one overall pick, Bama will be playing here. Yes, in Alabama, that that game is probably going to be just nuts. That game's tomorrow morning, and then Auburn. What's Auburn seated? So Auburn is a nine seed, and it was a bit of a surprise that Auburn actually got to Birmingham. Oh they, wow! A lot of people, so they don't always do it like that. They they can factor in location, but it normally just depends on how things. There's so many other factors, yeah. and a lot of people are the, Houston in particular. Houston's a one seed, right? They're right. playing here in Birmingham. Yeah, too. I know. Yeah. They're very upset that Auburn a potential could potentially get to the second round and basically play a home game uh, against Houston. Gotcha. So a lot of people are upset. Like, how could you do that to the one seed? You know, have a nine seed basically de facto home game uh, in Birmingham. So right. Uh, it so people yeah. were kind of shocked that Auburn got in Birmingham. Right. So. Well, still, I mean, you got Bama's going to play here. Auburn's going to play a, yeah. a game here. Um, so that's. That's pretty awesome. I have no idea what tickets are going for or if it's even possible to get a hold of one. Um, I, I, John Mark, I am just praising the Lord through very fortunate circumstances mm-hmm. and generous people. I, I will be going to some of these games tomorrow. So so I will report back. I want to know who gave you the tickets. I'll report back next <laughs> week. I want to know who gave you the tickets and why they gave them to you because I am on this podcast each and every week talking about sports and Auburn basketball, and no one has reached out to me. Uh, (laughs) Tickets on the Game Time app, in case you're wondering, for Session 1, which is the Alabama game, you can get in in the upper level for the lowest price of $84, which is not bad. Because it's more than one game. You get two games, and then for session two, which is the Auburn session, you can get in for $119 in the upper level on there game you go. And I think the reason behind that is Alabama's playing a 16th seed. It's really not going to be right, a game. It, it shouldn't be a, g- a good game. It should be a blowout. Right. Uh, whereas Auburn is a 9 and an 8 seed. Those are right. two should comparable teams. Should be yeah. really good. So, Well, that's happening in the ham, and I have one other thing for you. So if you can't make – the uh the basketball game on Friday I mean on Thursday or on Saturday I've I've got something happening on Sunday and John Mark you're not ready for this I'm not ready yeah so Sunday I found this on UAB's campus calendar uh huh all right but it's a, it's open to the public it's a concert happening 
at Alice Stevens Center, Sunday, March the 19th. Oh, this weekend. At 6 p.m. Ladies and gentlemen, heavily talked about annually on Shades Midweek, none other than the diva herself, Patty LaBelle, will be in concert. That's right. Where my background singers at, ladies and gentlemen. Beautiful does not begin to describe the <laughs> incomparable force known to the world as Patti LaBelle. As time continues to evolve, the soulful songbird's name has become synonymous with grace, style, elegance, and class. Belting out classic rhythm and blues renditions, pop standards, and spiritual sonnets has created the unique platform of versatility that she is known and revered for. That's right. Sunday, March 19th, 6 p.m., right here in Birmingham, Alabama, you can see Patti LaBelle. That's incredible. I did not know that she was coming. Yes, Patti LaBelle, famed uh, midweek appearance uh, pretty much every Christmas, which is fantastic. Dude, I've been waiting all week to tell you about that. (laughs) I was like, I don't think he knows this is happening. That is fantastic. What is her, like, hits? (laughs) Does she just do, like, cover songs? I don't know. What does she sing? I don't think I've ever listened to Patti LaBelle outside of our annual uh, Christmas uh, adventure. If you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to one of our Christmas episodes, and you'll you'll see. But anyway, that's it for this week's Happening in the Ham. Well, once again, Jonathan, thanks for keeping us up to date on everything happening here in Birmingham. So the last couple of episodes, we've had some special guests. We had some Meta members recently. We brought in some special guests, such as Glenn Schreiber from the EFCA. Today, it's just me and you in the booth. And That's right. we have an ongoing uh, series that uh, we, we do a few episodes every year. That's called Pastor Facts. Pastor Frequently Asked Questions. And today... We thought it would be a good idea to answer this question. And that question is, you're a pastor. What do pastors do all day? That is the question. What What do you guys do? What What is the day-to-day look like? What it, When you're not preaching on Sunday morning, if you're the teaching pastor, if you're not leading worship on a Sunday morning, uh, or when you're not leading worship on a Sunday morning and you're the worship pastor, what, what else do you do during the week? Well, I mean, other than this podcast. We do the podcast. I guess I, most I people know that. I don't, I don't do anything. I mean, it's just Sunday and this. I mean, yeah, I don't know about Pretty you. much. <laughs> I'm pretty triggered, much. John Mark. I'm triggered. Uh, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, this question actually can be triggering for pastors. Um, so when we say a frequently asked question, like we mean it. Like this is one that pastors literally do get all the time. Um, I, I've been in ministry now for 20, oh goodness, what year is it? It's 2023, so for 22 years. Oh, wow. Um, I just made myself feel old. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, over 22 years, I've been getting this since I first started in ministry. And I think it's just because, I mean, people don't know, right? Um, And and this question seriously did used to uh, be very triggering for me. It can be for, for a lot of pastors kind of annoying and and makes you really angry because like i think you feel like it insinuates that your job is easy it's like you know what do you do all day i mean your job's just you know or it insinuates that you're lazy 
and you only work on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, I, I I think throughout the years, um, hopefully I've matured a little bit more mm-hmm. and I'm able to see a little bit more of why this question is actually so common. It's a common question, but I mean, one just because much of a pastor's job is unobservable. You know, like, I mean, you you do get to see a little bit of what a pastor does, but most of that, you know, I mean, you observe Sunday morning, you sure. observe occasional special events, and then, like, if you set up an individual meeting with a pastor, or if you're getting married, or if someone, one of your loved ones dies, then then you get to observe some of these things, but, but none of those things seem daily. Right. You know? They're weekly at best and, and occasional beyond that. So not only is a lot of what pastors do unobservable um, by mo- or unobserved, I should say, not un- I mean, you could follow us around if you want to, but, but unobserved. Uh, but also I think one of the reasons this question is common is because the results of pastoral ministry are often intangible. You know, so like if I am uh, an architect... You know, I can show you what I've been doing all day. Here are the plans that I have drawn. Or I can take you to a building that exists. Here beeth the building that mm-hmm. I conceived of in my head, and now here it is. Like, and, and a lot of jobs have kind of these very tangible, touchable results of what someone has been been doing. And, I mean, there's a way that you could say ministry has those tangible results but the problem is, is here at Shades, um, the, the ta- quote-unquote tangible results are not what we're after. So in other words, what I'm talking about is you could say, oh, well, if our goal in ministry is to make our church bigger and to have building projects going on, all right, well, that's observable, or to continually grow numerically how many people there are in our membership or congregation, well, that's observable, or continually grow the budget or have bigger and bigger events. The thing is, it's like specifically at Shades, our philosophy of ministry, our goal is not any of those things. I mean, our goal is true spiritual growth of people. And that is really hard, one, to measure, but even harder to like show. So one of the things we'll talk about often is at Shades, if we want to talk about results, like what God is doing at Shades, we have to tell individual stories. I gotta tell you stories of transformation in people's lives or what the Lord has been up to or stories of people sharing their faith or going through an adoption process or stories of where somebody was versus where they are now. Like, like it's it's not so easily easily measurable. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that those are some of the the factors in why this is um, a common question. And and prayerfully. Uh, over the years, I, I think the Lord has taught me uh, not to be frustrated by this this question uh, because I, I think I would always be frustrated because I, I f- would feel like I worked hard and, and like that was being doubted and I had this need to like self-justify. Um, and I wish I could say that's totally gone. Like when I say the Lord has taught me, I, I probably should better put it, is teaching me. I actually recently uh, had a situation where I had to apologize to someone because mm. they asked a question kind of like this, and I got frustrated mm. um, and and displayed my frustration in my response and had to ask that brother's forgiveness. Um, but, but I don't think I 
do it as often or as intensely, I hope, because uh, the Lord is teaching me, this isn't about me and my self-justification. Um, this question is actually an opportunity for discipleship. It's an opportunity to show people what uh, ministry looks like in my life or in the life of other pastors. And it's also an opportunity to help equip them to do ministry in their own life. Because often when you start kind of describing what you do, it leads to further conversation. So for instance, if I start describing like hospital visitation, well, then they start asking like, well, well, what is that like? Well, what do you say when you walk into this situation? Well, what do you do here? And you're discipling someone as to uh, and further equipping them for when they walk into those situations. Yeah. So, so trying to reframe it and, and see it as, as that. So that's all, that's all preface. Yeah. That's all preface. So we actually will answer the question. <laughs> all right, Jonathan. What, well, it's your time. What, what, do you, what do you do all what day? What do pastors it's time to answer. do all day? There's a number of ways that we could break this down. Sure. Um, we could break it down by position. So we could talk about what senior pastors do all day versus what worship and community pastors do all day. Because sure. there's some overlap, but there's also some very distinct things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could break it down by task. So I could tell you what preparing to preach looks like over the course of a week. Or you could tell us, like, well, here's what I do concerning set list and musicians and music and all of that. And I do this on Monday and this on Like, we we could do it that way. Or we could do it by days. You know, here's what my normal Monday looks like and Tuesday. The the point is it's a little complicated. And there's there's not one of these ways that's actually better than the other. So so I'm actually going to try to tackle this from, from a few different angles. So I'll give you my game plan here. All right, I want to start by just trying to give an overall picture of what pastoring is, at least my conviction as to, to what my role as a pastor is. Uh, and then I want to get more nitty-gritty moving into, like, the what do you actually do. Um, but, but I want to give that picture first because everything I do I feel like is rooted in that. So, um, so we'll get nitty-gritty by first talking about the most observable tasks, preaching, spending yep. time with people, and counseling. Um. What do those look like over the course of the week? And then uh, I want to fill in kind of what are the consistent things, smaller things that surround those larger observable tasks. And finally, uh, give a few examples of some of the more irregular aspects of ministry that aren't like necessarily on a recurring schedule that just happen every week or, or things like that. So first, let me give you my overall picture of pastoring. I wrote this a long time ago, um, just trying to be like, what? What am I doing? What am I aiming at? So this is very particular to me sure. as a senior pastor. Um, and my job description I gave myself is three words. Uh, and I stole two of them. <laughs> <laughs> so my I wrote empowered, expository, exaltation. And I know everybody's going to make fun of me. Alliteration. For all the ease. Everybody's going to make fun of me. It's fine. It's whatever. I've learned to live with it. I've just, this is who I am. I can do no other. Um, so John Piper uh, has a book on preaching called Expository Exaltation. So I stole that title straight from him. Um, that word. I just added the word empowered. And here's kind of the definition I wrote out. I aim to work for my and others' joy in the glory of God. This is accomplished by the Spirit working through the Word. So that's it's empowered. Working through the Word so that people behold the Son, that's see Jesus more clearly, which has to do with expositing. Expositing is exposing, helping us to see something. And exult 
in the Father. So that's what I am aiming for. And I say that I do this through three primary tasks. I just looked at it, and it's alliterated. You're going to make fun of me. (laughs) Of course it is. Prayer, proclamation, and people. Yep. Prayer, that attaches to that empowered piece, seeking Mm. the power. So so I want to be a pastor who prays publicly and privately. Uh, Proclamation, that's attached to the expository piece of teaching and exposing and showing who Jesus is. So big portion of my job is studying, writing, preaching, teaching, uh, and then people. I want to be leading people to exult in the Father. So a big part of my job is connecting with people, connecting them with each other, providing counsel, providing care, all of that. So those are kind of my three big building blocks that I'm, I'm constantly, whatever I'm doing, how is it attached mm-hmm. to prayer, proclamation, and people? Um, to sum it all up, I wrote this. I want to be a spirit-empowered, Christ-centered, God-exalting, word-saturated, ministry-equipping, mission-sending pastor. I want to be equipping the people of God through the word of God, by the spirit of God, to exalt the son of God, which is the mission of God for the glory of God. So these are kind of just some big picture statements, summary statements I've put in place to guide how I think about pastoring. So with that big picture in mind, let's look at the most observable things I do, the things that that people see the most often. And, and they're the things that actually lie at the heart of what I do. I, I do believe that at its heart, at its root, pastors are called to the ministry of word and prayer. Uh, I take that fundamentally from Acts chapter 6 and verse 4, where we see the installation of the first deacons, if you will, servants of the church to take care of practical ministry needs of the church. The apostles appoint uh, or, or set up that system because they say that they are to give themselves to the ministry of the word and prayer. And so those things are at the heart of, of what I do. And they come, they have their primary uh, expression through preaching and pastoral care. Or we could say ministering the word in the corporate gathering, that's, mm. that's preaching, and ministering the word in private settings, that's pastoral care. You know, applying the word to the people and applying the word to the person. So taking those tasks one at a time, preaching. I'm not going to give a full breakdown of my sermon writing process. Maybe we can do a future episode on that. (laughs) Sermon writing. I know everybody's super super interested in that. Um, But generally, by the time I stand up on a Sunday, I've got about 8 to 10 hours in a sermon. Mm -hmm. I've spent about 8 to 10 hours over the course of the week. So about a fourth-ish of of a 40-hour work week. Sure. Um, So to break it down by days, Mondays, I study the text. Uh, which means just I'm just sitting with whatever text I'm preaching. I'm praying. I'm asking the Lord to speak to me through the text. I'm already trying to organize all that kind of stuff. Uh, on Tuesdays, I start bringing in other resources like commentaries. On Wednesdays, I want to try to write the intro and write the outline. Uh, Thursdays, I take off. That's another thing we can talk about in just a minute. Uh, and then Fridays, I try to write the sermon. Yep. Uh, and then on Sundays, final edit and preach. So that's... That's the ideal yeah. version. Um, so, so, in other words, preaching prep for me isn't tied to a singular day. Like I don't. Some pastors do like sit down and just carve out like this day, eight hour block. That's all I'm doing is my sermon. I don't do that. I do a little bit each day because it allows me to kind of mull it over uh, throughout the the course of of the week. 
So that's what preaching looks like as far as how it kind of takes some of my time uh, each day. Uh, the other big observable thing is pastoral care through counseling. So if you're a member at Shades, odds are we've sat down over coffee at some point, whether that was just getting to know each other better or whether that's because something was going on in your life. Maybe you had a theological question or you needed counseling on something. I'm, I'm including all of that underneath that umbrella of pastoral care or counseling. So I typically take 12 to 15 meetings a week. Uh, that translates to about 20 hours, uh, roughly about half of a 40-hour work week is spent with people. That is very different than anywhere else I've been. Mm. Everywhere else I've been, my administrative workload was so high and heavy sure. that my time invested in people was pretty minimal. Yeah. Um, you know, and and would have been huh, it would have never been talked about as like being a waste of time, but it, it, the goal in those other places was to grow things bigger right. and better. And right. so doing an event that attracts yeah. a lot of people that has the potential of, of making the church bigger, like way higher up the priority scale than sitting down one-on-one -on -one with somebody. Yep. You know, so, so I'm able to invest a lot more, more time there. One of the practical implications of this is if you think about it just really practically uh, at Shades, uh, our membership hovers around the 170 mark, roughly about 170-ish member, 160 to 170. So if I'm taking 12 meetings a week, that means it's going to take about 14 weeks to see uh, over three months. Right. Uh, that's right, right? Yeah, over three months to see everybody one time. You know, and that doesn't include like sitting down with like visitors or right. first time guests or uh, people who uh, need ongoing counseling. So I'm meeting with them on a recurring basis for a certain time period. So basically what I'm saying is that at the rate of 12 to 15 meetings per week, I can sit down with everyone at Shades roughly two to three times a year. So if you're like, man, Jonathan's taking 12 meetings a week and I only see him once every six months. Yeah, that, that's about right. 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 <laughs> It's not that I don't want to meet with people. It's just like at a certain point you do, you, you reach kind of capacity, you know? And, and so anyway, so, but that's part of, of what I do. And on Mondays, typically I take two meetings, Tuesdays, four, Wednesdays, three, Fridays, three. So there's, there's a system mm -hmm. to it, but that's kind of how they're spread out over the course of a week. So those are my two kind of big Yep. pillars yep. you know these are the thing i mean by the time we're done with those two things we have taken about 30 hours of a 40-hour work week and we're not even including sunday which is typically an eight-hour day um, because it's not just the two hours of service there's the time we get here through prep for the service through shutting down and then typically i'm either taking a meeting on sunday afternoon whether i'm going to lunch with people or uh doing counseling, um, or I do a lot of premarital counseling on Sunday afternoons, um, or leading a community group, which I do every other week on a Sunday evening. So, so yeah, so those are the big things and, and fairly observable, at least parts of them are obser observable, but what are some of the other like consistent tasks that maybe people don't see as much that kind of fill in around those things? Uh, well, there's uh, leading the staff. Um, 
So we do have a staff meeting, a worship planning and staff meeting that happens every Tuesday at 1.30. Um, and that's not just to get kind of like functional things done, like, hey, what are we planning? Who's covering what? What's on the calendar? Like, we're a church, and I try to pastor the staff as well. And so there's discipleship involved there too. So typically we're reading through a book together and having book discussions and, and all of that as well. So, um, But even outside of that, there's time of just interacting with the staff in their individual positions. Maybe they want feedback on something or want to bounce something uh, off of me or, or, or what have not. So there's just normal staff leadership kind of things. Yep. Um, there's my elder care lists. So mm-hmm. uh, every elder at Shades Valley, the six lay elders plus the three full-time uh, elders, pastors, uh, we have a portion of the congregation that we're responsible for. And we all kind of approach it in different ways, but what I basically do is I take a certain number of people on my list every week and reach out to them. So that's one of my regular tasks. Uh, midweek, what we're doing right now. We typically record this on Wednesdays at yep. 1 o'clock. So there is, I know, contrary to popular belief, there is a little bit of prep that goes into it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we record midweek. Um, there's other teaching uh, that I do outside of Sunday morning that's a regular part of, of my weekly task. I mentioned uh, the community group that I lead every other week, the marriage community group. Um, so prepping for that finding childcare, hosting that. Um, outside of that, I typically lead a men's discipleship group as well, which meets every other week. So usually mm-hmm. outside of Sunday, I'm, I'm teaching at least one group once a week. Um, that's not meeting right now for another reason. I'll get to in just a second. Um, but there's other teaching opportunities. Uh, we'll do special classes. Like, for instance, we've got a baptism class this Sunday. So, so there's some teaching opportunities. Um, there's also administrative tasks that fill in kind of just normal work week stuff. There's the one administrative task that every person I know that works in any kind of office job dreads. That is the old email. <laughs> oh, my we word. We do get a few emails here. Yeah, while Not we, just at midweek. I was about to say, wow, we love the midweek emails. Um, no, I, I don't mean that. Uh, I don't mean to say we get a lot of nasty emails or anything like that. I just mean that email can take over your work day if you let it, right? Yeah. You can just spend all day just replying to emails and kind of getting caught in the, the email whirlwind. Mm-hmm. I try to control that by only checking email once a day. Um, so it is by far not the fastest, most efficient means of communication with me. Um, but but it is part of what I do because it's part of the way that I communicate with uh, elders and Servant leaders, community group leaders, volunteers, and just other general inquiries. We get inquiries through the website fairly regularly, and those will go to whoever can, uh, whoever's, whoever's area they're most applicable to. Uh, but a lot of them are just kind of first timers seeking more information, and I get most of those. And so, so yeah, so email obviously being a big admin thing. There's budget management, so. Each of us on the pastoral staff oversee different portions of the budget, not the whole thing. Um, there, are, Thank the Lord, there are many servant leaders out there who oversee mm-hmm. various segments of the budget, uh, but we are responsible uh, for certain uh, sections. So there's budget management, which we work with Scott on. 
Uh, of course, there can be event planning type stuff. You know, we just did the men's camp out. You just led a worship night not that long ago. Yep. We got a picnic in the park coming up, mm-hmm. a Barons night that we're talking about. So most of those are community building type things, um, and they're fun. But I mean, there's some administrative work. Yep. Uh, there. Uh, and then the other thing that's been regular for me as of late, and this is actually the reason I'm not teaching the pastoral discipleship group right now, uh, is I am doing some continuing education. Uh, it's through CCEF, which is the Christian Counseling and Education Foundation. So I've just been taking a counseling class here or there specifically designed for pastors um, to just help me continue to grow as a pastor and be more equipped to serve the body here at Shade. So to be able to do that, I had to let go of something. So for a brief time, I did set down uh, that pastoral discipleship group. It will start back up um, probably next semester. I, it was the combination of me taking this class and Brad being on sabbatical. It was like, yeah, I because right. Brad will help teach that class sometimes. Yep. So, yeah, so those are some of the things that uh, just kind of fill in here or there. Uh, and before I go to the more irregular uh, or, or kind of like things that happen less often or come up unexpectedly in pastoral ministry, Jam, do you want to share some of the specific things uh, that you as a worshiping community pastor uh, do on a regular basis that kind of take up some of your time? Because there's a lot of things that I mentioned that, uh, I mean, several of them are specific to a senior pastor, but not all of them. Sure. Um, so like I mentioned, communicating uh, with um, servant leaders. So we divide up the servant leaders amongst the pastors here. We oversee different servant teams. Yes. So what are some of the servant teams, for instance, you oversee? Decor is one of them. Uh, obviously, worship and audio. So right. we have like an audio servant leader team. The communion team. The communion team. I schedule uh, communion volunteers every week. I believe those are the, well, in art, art ministry. Yeah, and in the arts. Uh, with Amy Ross. Yeah, and I oversee like uh, our community groups. Um, our, our missions is one of the big ones that I do a lot of the communication with. And so we divide those up. And, and so there are tasks that I mentioned that all of us have a hand in or involved. Event planning, all of us are involved yeah. in that. Um, and depending upon the event, one of us might carry more of the load than the other. So, for instance, worship night, John Mark carried more of the load. Uh, on an event like mm-hmm. that, camping trip, I carried more of the load on that. So, so it kind of gets divvied up a little bit, right. a little bit differently. But what are some of the things that are specific to you as a worship and community pastor? Sure. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, similar to you, how you're uh, a a good portion, a bulk of your week is spent on sermon prep, writing, reading through the text, praying, and getting that sermon ready for Sunday morning. I'm doing a lot of very similar things for the song list that I come up with. Uh, for Sunday morning. So normally that gets kick-started on Tuesdays with our worship planning meeting because you obviously come in and you need to read the text and kind of put a little bit of a plan together so that you right. can then communicate that to everyone else and say, hey, here's where here's where I think I'm headed thematically for this week. Here's the text. And then that helps me. Once I get that text, I can read through it, pray through it, and then you know, usually there's always songs that just pop out automatically, especially depending on what the text is. It could sure. be really obvious. Um, like, man, we really need to do Greater You, Lord, this week. Like, it just fits right. perfectly. And then some weeks it's maybe a little more uh, vague is not the right word, but open to interpretation on 
what songs you may want to include that could match thematically. So, you know, maybe uh, there's a week <clears throat> where we, what's more like mission minded. It's like, okay, well, what are some songs that can maybe fit right. in that wheelhouse? Right. Well, and, y- and you've got to balance that, like finding songs that match thematically with like, whenever you introduce a new song, like right. we, we got to play that, you know, fairly consistently for yeah. people to be able to actually learn it and pick up on it. You also have to balance, like if you just chose songs solely based on the theme, it could be that every single song, like it sounds very similar yeah. as far as like tempo and like, it's all like, you know, everybody comes away like overstimulated, like, yeah, it, it was all just a bunch of really crazy upbeat, fast up. Yeah. Like, like there's movement and there's flow to mm-hmm. to a service, and and so you got to be thinking about those dynamics as well. Well, and it should be noted that Shades is a lot different of a church than some of the previous places that I've been, where I was at before. You had you the worship uh, pastor for Sunday morning services generally worked off of like a smaller library of songs. So maybe there was like 50 songs that they were working off of. And then as they would introduce, you know, one or two, then maybe they would retire one that had really been in the rotation for a while and had kind of seen its day and they need, we needed to shelve it for a little bit. Whereas shades, uh, we're working off of themes every week a lot of the times and it's expository preaching it's not you know always series all the time right right and so our library is much much larger and we pull from uh, a lot of different artists didn't, and songs didn't you just say the other day there's like 500 <laughs> songs in the library there's 500 songs at planning <laughs> center now before everyone freaks out uh, we don't play all of those songs, not only just on a regular basis, but some of those on Planning Center have maybe been entered. Maybe we did it one time right, for right, whatever right. reason, and uh, we've never done it again. But there is almost 500 songs in Planning Center. We should probably clean that up. But even <laughs> if we cleaned it up, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we'd probably get rid of maybe 100 songs, right. and we'd still have close to 400. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's quite the now. Library. Am I doing 400 songs a year? That no, I'm not. <laughs> uh, some of those songs haven't been done in six or seven years, but we right. keep them there. I don't like to, ret- you know, constantly retire out. Some things I like to come back to. It's it's nice to revisit an oldie. And uh, but but anyway, so I a big portion of the week is planning for uh, worship. I also. Uh, plan our confession of sin and assurance of pardon every week. Right. So I'm looking through different materials, once again, taking into account what the text is for that week, putting something together that can match thematically for that as well. The seasons make a difference too. Easter, Lent, Advent, things like that. Well, and if there's an artistic expression in the service, then you're in charge of making sure of, like, the artist has everything they need, yep. that, that everything's been communicated to yeah, them. Spoken word, whether it's spoken word or painting, we're communicating, we're talking about what's going on for that week. There's a number of, there's some scheduling that I do through Planning Center. We we have to have volunteers to play. I mean, I could play acoustically every week, but I don't. Um, I like to have other vocalists lead with me and musicians. So there's, there's a lot of, uh, and, and my job is really interesting too, because it's not all music either. Um, there's a big por- portion of this music where I, maybe I write a little bit during the week, try to work on some songs that I've been working on. Maybe I, um, 
you know, I'm doing so, doing something in audio, which is like doing this podcast, editing and posting it. But I also run our social media accounts, right. um, which takes up a little bit of time. I run uh, the email that goes out every week. I'm in charge of that. I put together the bulletins that you see on Sunday morning. Yeah, virtually that, Je- any- that Jeff Stalkup refuses to take, <laughs> I might add. Virtually anything having to do with communications. Yeah, that's where the communications piece comes in. So the emails, the social website. media. I'm, I'm doing the website, which, you know, I'm not, I'm not a graphic designer, uh, but you know what? I do my best. And I, I think I, you do. Well, job. thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate that. <laughs> and then, obviously, similar to Jonathan, there are pastoral needs. I have an elder care list that I'm reaching out to uh, every week, and I ha- I meet with uh, I meet with some of those people. I meet with other members. I meet with people that are just on the team that serve. Maybe right. they're not members of Shades, but they want to know more about worship. Maybe they like to volunteer. So there's coffee meetings that I'm taking. And one thing, uh, you didn't mention this. I was going to mention it for you, but uh, meeting with other pastors. Right. Um, so a part of your, and you maybe you're going to get to that at some point, yeah, but yeah. Uh, like next week I'm meeting with a new worship pastor here in town that a friend of mine from Atlanta actually connected me with. He said, hey, man, one of my buddies just moved here, took a job at a PCA church, and he was just looking to get to know some worship pastors in the area. So yeah. getting coffee with him next week. So. That's awesome. But those things randomly pop up. You, it's, right. it's almost hard to plan for it. It just yeah. Sometimes it just happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I think one, one of the things, too, like in talking about uh, when I was talking about like I lead the staff and try to do discipleship even with the staff and, and shepherd them, like the same thing is true of uh, – the aspects of ministry that you lead at Shade. So like you working with the worship team, the audio team, all of those kinds of things, it's sure. not just the functional aspect yeah, of it. It's not all practical. Yeah, yeah you're, you're yeah. trying to shepherd them as right. well and train 100%. them and train up new worship leaders and, and things of that nature. And so, um, yeah, yeah, there's a, a lot that goes into um, into what, yeah, what you do. I mean, some of my favorite parts of the week are on Sunday morning when we actually have time before we practice to pray together. Bill mm-hmm. Bill comes and joins us and we just take a few moments. Some some weeks we have some extra time, you know, we'll go around, hey, does anybody need any prayer for anything, any specific requests, things like that. And and Bill's obviously has been great. I've I've asked him to be there every Sunday to lead us through prayer if he's got scripture and so it's it's a really beautiful time. Those are some of my favorite weeks just to to be able to do those sorts of things. So yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Well, and you mentioned uh, randomly, like the random request of like meeting with another pastor sure. here in town. And so, I mean, that transition us, transitions us really well uh, into kind of this last area I had, which is the the things that happen that are more irregular. And by irregular, I just mean they happen less often. Maybe they're not scheduled like every week or, or they're unexpected things that you're not planning for. They just come up um, and... One of the things I have on my list is exactly what you mentioned, connecting with other pastors. Like, it's not something that is a part of my weekly schedule, uh, but it happens, you know, and it, mm-hmm. it's it's a part of, of what we do. Some other things I have down here, um, elder meetings, which typically are regular, but they're monthly. Um, pastoral care, uh, and by that I mean like hospital vi- visitations um, or in-home visitations. Uh, so we don't we're a small enough church that we'll have periods of time where like we don't have anybody in the hospital, which is different than what I grew up with. My dad was a minister of pastoral care at a very large Baptist church and he made hospital visits 
every morning. Right. That's how his right. workday started. Right. Um, because there was always somebody. Always yep. somebody. Always someone. Yeah. So we can have times where there's not anybody, but then we can have times where there's like several medical mm-hmm. things going on all at once. Um, so that's what I mean by kind of irregular. So, yeah, hospital visits, home visits, crisis counseling. So that's different from just the regular scheduled counseling. Like there are times where people just have stuff, the stuff hitting the fan. Yeah. You know, and like they need someone to talk to and they need someone now. Um, so crisis counseling. Uh, here's a fun one, uh, something that just happens randomly. Recommendation letters or job references. No one told me, John Mark, when I was when I was going through seminary, no one told me, hey, get ready. You're about to be like one of the number one source for writing recommendation letters and being job references. Yeah, I got two of those in December. Yeah. Like right around the same time. Oh, they just popped up. I was I, like, sure, I'll I'll do it. Yeah, I was I was a job <laughs> reference twice last week. I would say that mine average out to be almost one a week. Almost one a week. I'm either writing a recommendation letter because someone's applying for like uh, a missions program or adoption letters sure. or, or yep. they're applying to get into a school or, or what have not. Um, and especially if it's uh, if like they're trying to get into a, a Christian school, I got a, I got a, <laughs> a text from uh, someone who used to be a member of our church that I haven't seen in like a couple years. And they're like, Hey man, uh, our, our kids are, are, we're trying to get our kids into this Christian school and they want a letter from our pastor. <laughs> I'm like, well, who's your pastor? Right, <laughs> um, right. But anyway, no, it was funny. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so those kinds of things. Connection with other pastors we already mentioned. Um, I do get the opportunity to do some outside of Shades writing projects. I wrote a, I wrote a blog about uh, Lent for mm-hmm. the EFCA. Uh, I've done a book review or two for them. So some outside writing projects uh, or outside preaching opportunities. I've preached a couple of summer camps. Uh, here and there, and you get those kinds of worship leadership opportunities. Yeah, I mean, almost at this point, and it's not always actually leading worship, but uh, sometimes it's being part of being asked to be in the, in the part of the band that's leading worship for different retreats or conferences, maybe a worship night. Because I for mean, those who don't know, your first love and first instrument is it's drums. Yeah, yeah. So I I I do get asked to play drums quite a bit. It's it's been more frequently in the last. Uh, I don't know, since last year, really, I've been getting asked to do a lot more. Um, so that normally pops up once or twice a month. I actually do some, th- my, I'm buddies with one of the worship leaders here in town uh, with uh, the student at Shades Mountain Baptist Church. Yeah. And they do college services, and he's always looking for extra musicians, so he, he calls me up every once in a while. Hey, man, can you jump in on keys this week? I'm, I'm down somebody, you know. So so those types of opportunities And you pop just up. tell him, well, if Shades Mountain Baptist can just pay off our building yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, please. <laughs> yes, I will. I'm gonna I'll, get in so much trouble. I'm just kidding. I'll give you just the account. Kidding. The account numbers. You can just send it right there. Oh, direct deposit. Yes. Oh man. But yeah, so we get some some chances to do uh, ministry outside of the context of shades, and that's cool. Not just for the ministry opportunity, but for me, it's it's cool because it's a learning process of getting exposure to something other than my regular environment. Yep. Um, and it also makes me appreciate where I am all the more. Not that other places are bad. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying there's something unique about Shades, and I can get used to that. And so going outside of that environment will often remind me um, of what I love Yeah. Uh, about Shades. And, 100%. Yeah, and 
reinvigorate uh, uh, me for sure. So uh, last few things I had on a list here, weddings and funerals. Obviously, I got a wedding this weekend. I just finished writing it <laughs> upstairs yep. just a second ago. And we'll be driving up to Gadsden uh, on Friday for the rehearsal and then on Saturday for the, the wedding. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going to be tired on Sunday. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so weddings. Um, and then we do funerals uh, when those uh, times arise, uh, obviously. Uh, and then there's some special services as well. Like we've got Good Friday coming up. Not yep. too long. We've had now. Ash Wednesday a few weeks ago. Got Good Friday coming up. We do Christmas Eve services, yeah. obviously. You know, so so hopefully um, all of that. I know that that was just like a lot. I'm <laughs> just kind of dumping it down. Like, like here's here's a bunch of examples of, of the kinds of things that we do. Uh, hopefully that helps give people a little bit of uh, a bigger picture of what we do uh, on a daily basis as pastors. Um, and if you have questions about any of that, especially like how you can be involved in various aspects of that, whether at Shades or outside of Shades, you know, I talked just a second ago about hospital visitations and maybe you're like, man, I would go see people in the hospital, but I don't know what to say. Sure. I don't know what to do. Well, we would love to have a conversation with you, uh, about that about what it looks like. Or maybe maybe you're a musician out there who's like, man, I've wanted to get involved in worship leadership, but I I don't think I can do that. I don't know how to transition between songs. I don't mm-hmm. know how to put together a set list. I mean, that's the kind of thing Jamar would love to sit down and, and talk with you about. So hopefully as, as you've listened, if there have been some things that have piqued your interest along the way, please feel free to pursue uh, further conversation with us about any of those things. You can also ask Brad what he does all day, but at this point, we think it's nothing. <laughs> Not sure what he's been doing. Oh. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, um, through all that we do, we're aiming at one primary thing, and that's shepherding. I mean, that's what the word pastor yeah. means. It's, it's a Latin term for shepherd. You know, And we want to shepherd the people of God towards God. Um, and our own hearts to be drawn in that direction as well. So that's no matter what we're doing, whether it's prayer, proclamation, people, whether it's uh, worship leadership, whether it's preaching, whatever it is, um, we want to be shepherding people towards Jesus, the great mm-hmm. shepherd of the sheep. So. Amen. Well, JM, you got anything you wanted to to add in there? I feel like I have self-justified myself in my <laughs> existence. I'm I think we I think we've covered a lot. We've covered a lot of ground. If you have any questions, maybe you have more questions now. <laughs> right. <laughs> After you've heard all this. Right. Well, you can email us at midweek at shadesvalley.org. A part of our week is going through those emails and I normally get all those. I also get the office emails, so if you email the office, I'm normally the one responding. Basically, unless you email someone directly, right. John Mark's going to get it. <laughs> I'm getting the emails. <laughs> uh, but, no, you could just contact us. Let us know uh, what you think if you have any questions. Um, we love to interact with everyone. And, uh, yeah, I guess this, I guess we should just wrap it up here, huh, Jonathan? Yeah. Email us, midweek at shadesvalley.org, because here at Shades Midweek, Sure.